Hi, this is a message from Life Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. We are starting a series today called Acts in Leeds. Acts in Leeds. And there are five Sundays in October. And so we're going to spend the next five Sundays really not going through chapter of chapter from the book of Acts, but picking out some key things and looking what it is to have the book of Acts in Leeds. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And wouldn't it be awesome if we could create a 29th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Believers in the city of Leeds? Acts doesn't finish. Acts is continuing. And so we're going to read the first 11 verses in the book of Acts, chapter 1. It says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. That is the, that is the gospel of um, Luke, I believe, which was Acts is they follow on from that gospel. And so we have split them up, really, but really it was a continuation, really, of what Jesus did and then what the apostles did. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Jesus appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, what is cool, when Jesus spoke to people in those 40 days, it wasn't like, um, you know, kind of went in and and came out again. No, there were times, because Paul talks about it, how there were 500 that Jesus spoke to. So in those 40 days, there were quite significant days of Jesus really ministering in that time before he ascended into the heaven. And really what he spoke about was the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I read those first 11 verses because it basically sets the introduction for the next five weeks of the author basically saying Jesus presented himself to the disciples and to other believers And for 40 days, ministered to them, taught them, empowered them, equipped them. The Holy Spirit then falls upon them and boom, Acts happens. And over the next five weeks, you're going to hear from different people about the miracle of what we see in the book of Acts and how awesome the church was in the book of Acts, how awesome the city of Jerusalem was in the book of Acts, how awesome people getting saved in huge amount of numbers, people being healed here, there and everywhere, governments being changed, world-renowned leaders being influenced by Apostle Paul, Paul the Apostle picking up a snake and not even being bitten by the snake and poisoned by it, him throwing handkerchiefs to people so that they may be well. The book of Acts is crazy. It's crazy faith. And I think that's going to be good for us, to have a bit of crazy faith. 
Because sometimes our lives can get quite predictable, quite mundane, quite familiar. And there's nothing wrong with familiar and routine. That is good for all of our lives. But I sometimes think it's good to add in a little bit of crazy faith. (laughs) It's good to put in a bit of Tabasco sauce into your meal every now and then. It's good to put a bit of chili sauce into your meal. It's good to put something different into your roast dinner that you are used to just to change things up, to spice things up a little bit. And I believe that as we go through these next few weeks, that there'll be something deposited into your life that just maybe shifts things a little bit. And so that is our heart. And so the reason we are speaking this book this month in the book of Acts is because really what the book of Acts does is it invites us into the mission of Jesus. That's how we summarize it. The book of Acts invites us, it invites me, and it invites you, whether you feel qualified or not. It invites all of us, the unschooled, ordinary men, the book of Acts calls people. <laughs> Those who, Peter and John, who didn't have qualifications and didn't have, you know, um, reputation in the law or in the temple at the time. They were unschooled, ordinary men, but because they had been with Jesus, the Bible said they stood out from a mile. And we are invited into the mission of Jesus, not as spectators, but as participators. There's a big difference. And I want to say this today. Christianity is not a spectator faith. Christianity is a participatory faith. It is not a faith where you just sit and watch everyone else act their faith out. No, it is participatory. It is for you to get involved. It is why I love Christianity. It is why I love following Jesus. Because the same power that conquered the grave also lives in me and it also lives in you. So we don't just stand in awe of what Jesus did. Of course we do. But we are also aware that that same awe can be in us. And we can also walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And Jesus even said in the Gospels that we would do greater things than him. How many of you know Jesus did some pretty great things? And that's why I'm challenging us as a church and maybe get under your skin a little bit. And some of you might feel a little bit uncomfortable at times Because I think there is so much more to our Christian faith than what we currently experience. I think there is so much more to see, so much more to hear, so much more to experience. And I'm not undermining what we are seeing now. It's it's great. But how many of you know there is always more with God? And so we're going to believe that the book of Acts has has a powerful impact on our lives. Almost like when you go into a museum. If you've been to those museums and they have kind of decorated and renovated everything to look like, feel like, smell like it was maybe 200 years ago. And so you're walking on like a cobbled street and, you know, you can see things and you can see the light and you can smell what it was like and you can hear the sounds bustling of, you know, London 200 years ago and you're walking through. Our heart over the next five weeks is that we walk you through the book of Acts. And you begin to feel what it's like to walk in the book of Acts. And you begin to smell things and you begin to hear things and you begin to see things. That is our aim, to show you a little bit of life in the book of Acts. And then to ask ourselves this question, how different or how similar is that to our present day? How different or how similar is that to our present day? Not that we need to replicate everything that we read. Not that we need to become carbon copies 
of the apostles at that time. You are your own distinct individual. We are in a different society these days. We are in a different age. We are working with different people in different cultures. And so it's not we simply pick up that and place it here and believe everything is going to be the same. No, you know, God works through people in the appropriate time. But I do think it is pivotal to look at this book at the present time because it was written between the resurrection of Jesus and the death of the apostle Paul And it was a time when Christian ideas and Christian beliefs were being formulated at the beginning stages. And when the organization of the church into a worldwide movement was being developed. And I think it's important for us today to look at, well, what were those foundations of the early church? Well, what were those key values of this early Jesus community? What were the priorities of the believers of that day? Not that we need to, like I said, become replicas of them, but learn some things from them. Because when you read the book of Acts, you realise, man, they had some impact. (laughs) They saw some incredible things. They made a difference to people's lives. People were getting healed left, right and centre. People were being provided for in miraculous ways. The church was growing from strength to strength. People were being saved daily. It is amazing what we read. And I think it's important to look at this book and see what those foundations and priorities and values were because it was the closest community ever to Jesus. If you think Jesus has just ascended into heaven and so there is this crossover between those who have walked with Jesus for three years and now they are leading the church. Imagine me and Abs had the opportunity to go and walk with Jesus for three years and then come back and lead the church again. How many of you know it would look a bit different? (laughs) The church would look very different because of our three years of experience of Jesus. And so this is the closest community to ever walk with Jesus and its founding members were the 12 and the 11 because Judas died but he was replaced and who had spent three years with him. And over time, what happens in the church and what happens in our faith often is that things can get distorted. What happens over years, over decades, over centuries, things, even in the church, can lose their way. Are we in agreement on that? You only have to read the news, see the news of scandals that have hit the church. Not just recently, but for decades. Abuse that has been widespread in the church. Children who haven't been safe in the church. And you have to realize that is not the church that Jesus established. (laughs) That much of what we have experienced or read about or seen from hundreds of years and it's not necessarily just a new thing because the church in Corinth was crazy (laughs) the church in Ephesus was crazy (laughs) and so it's not just a 2021 thing every church has had their own battles (laughs) because what happens is our humanity begins to lead more than Jesus begins to lead the Bible says unless the Lord builds the house it's laborers labor in vain but sometimes leaders are obsessed with building more than God (laughs) and so 
we replace God because we think we know better than God. And what happens is humanity distorts the mission and the priorities and the values of the church. And we're all susceptible to that. That is why we need accountability. It's why we need the Bible would call deacons and elders and people who can hold pastors and leaders to account. So that I don't stand up here and start teaching you from another religious book and saying, hey, this is a great scripture in this religious book. Let's meditate on this this week. And you guys going, yeah, it's great. Dave was great today. He told us from some book from Eastern Europe somewhere, which is, I don't know, but I've got my incense burning. And um, If I do that, the elders need to drag me off. Because that is not in line with the word of God. But how many of you know leaders and human beings often have the ability to distort and to lose their way? So my heart today really is, I'm gonna, the message title is Acts in Leads is the whole series. But really in the short time that I have with you today, the heart is to take us all back to basics. To take us back to basics, because that is really what the book of Acts helps us do. Because how many of you have an iPhone, and we all pretty much have an iPhone, unless you're strange and have a Samsung. Um, (laughs) The weird people in the room. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'll just iMessage you. I have to watch that, because I don't have a Samsung. How annoying are they on group chat, by the way? It's like one person out of eight is on a Samsung. We all have to go to WhatsApp. <laughs> anyway, lose moves on from that. But when you have an iPhone, you have your iPhone, and I know iPhones are made for more than just um, calling and texting. We all know that now. It's, it's a camera, it's a video, it's your life. <laughs> Okay, it's your life on that, on that device. But what often happens is we add so many apps to our phones. To our phone's existence, we add app after app after app. And we complicate what is often the simple purpose of the phone. And the iPhone now becomes our sat-nav, and it now becomes our camera, and it now becomes our TV, and it now becomes our Google Docs, and it now becomes our drive, and it now becomes our Zoom station, and it becomes everything to us. And it sometimes gets distorted, and sometimes starts running slow, and sometimes starts breaking down, and sometimes just can't cope, especially if you don't have that much I don't know, like memory in your phone or whatever. And I've shared the story before how my mum my mom still has the original iPhone and uses the original. It's not an iPhone 6, it's just the iPhone. <laughs> and she took it into the Apple store because it wasn't working. Surprise, surprise, 18 years old. And the people crowded around like it was some like historic <laughs> fossil that had been found. She's not interested in the apps that you have. She's not interested in TikTok. (laughs) She's not interested, you know, in ASOS. She wants to call me and text me. 
And that's basically what she wants to do. But so often we add so many things and we overcomplicate the simple. And it is the same thing in our faith. We add so many apps to our faith sometimes. We get complicated. And sometimes we add so many apps to the local church that it even becomes more complex than it was ever intended to be. But there is something that when you go to the Apple store and your phone is not working how it was supposed to work, they give you the opportunity to do something which is called restore to factory settings. And restoring it to factory settings means taking it back to how it was originally created. Wiping away what has confused it and what has distorted it. And we're just going to take this back to how it was intended to be. And what I pray our next five weeks are in the book of Acts, it's almost like a restore to factory settings. That some of the baggage and some of the distortion and some of the things that have been added onto our faith that might not be from God or might not be added onto our church, that might not be part of his mission, that we would restore aspects of his church to the factory settings of how Christ originally intended it to be. And I don't know about you, but I think the best place to look about that is the first ever church that was established As Jesus ascended into heaven, we're going back to basics. So a challenge today, take our faith back to basics. What Acts gives us is the actions of the early believers, the actions of the early apostles, the actions of the early church. And what they really do is they show us new habits, new habits that have marked them. Habits are powerful. All of us have good habits, and all of us have some less good habits. All of us have habits in our life that add value to our life. Brushing your teeth is a good habit to have. (laughs) Not brushing your teeth is a bad habit to have. All of us have habits, and I don't need to kind of, you know, patronize you on what your habits are. We are all aware of the habits that we are happy about, but we're also probably aware of the habits that we would like to improve in our life but habits are powerful and there's a really good book by the way called Atomic Habits I encourage you to read that by an author called James um, James Clare and it's just talks about really the power of habits because really the, the the emphasis of the book is this that you get what you repeat you get what you repeat and habits are what you regularly practice And Jesus even says this in the Gospels. Jesus says, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the streams rose and the winds blew and it blew against the house, but the house did not fall down because it was built on foundations, not from people just listening to something, but putting into practice what they had heard. So habits are powerful and habits might seem small and habits might seem easy to do, but they are the source of incredible power. It is compound growth. For those of you that are in the finance industry, you understand the power of compound interest. It might only seem a small amount, but if you can add a pound to a pound to a pound to a pound, week in, week out, over time in a good interest rate, that will compound and grow and grow. It is the same with your habits. And what we really find in the beginning of the book of Acts is a set of new habits that the apostles have taken on that have become regular practices that established the disciplines of the early church. 
Did you hear that? The habits of the early apostles established the disciplines of the early church. And you wonder, well, if the early church founding members, Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples, where did they learn these habits? Where did they spend their time? Who were they with most of the time? Who were they watching? Who did they follow? We know the answer is Jesus. And so the habits that they instill into the disciplines of the early church weren't just made up by them. They were replicated, watched, observed and seen as they'd walked with Jesus for three years. And so I think it's a good indication of how Jesus lived is how we see the disciplines of the early church. Because what you see and who you follow has a great impact on your life. It changes you, it shapes you. I was reading something recently about Ronaldo's return to Old Trafford. And I know we've spoken about that many times, but this is positive, don't worry. Let's be honest, Ronaldo is one of the goats, okay? Goats, greatest of all time. Youth, in case you didn't know what goat meant, just helping some of the youth. Now, whether you think Messi is the best, put your hand up in the air. Yeah. If you think Ronaldo is better, okay, and 80% of you don't give a rip. Um, Ronaldo is, in my opinion, Messi is the best, but Ronaldo is, is a boss. And when he turned up to Old Trafford a few weeks ago, apparently, and this might be, it, it was quite a reliable source, but maybe the stories had a bit of myth added to it. I'm sure it has. But in the canteen, at the training ground, you know, when the players get fed, they have their lunch and they have their food. And then there's the, like desserts, crumbles and different things. I'm sure they're healthy crumbles. But anyway, and the players always go and get their crumbles and have their desserts together. Ronaldo comes, first day in the canteen, doesn't go and get a crumble. <laughs> doesn't go and get any dessert. Next day, doesn't go and get any dessert. And what the report basically said was on the days that Ronaldo there... All the crumbles remained on the shelf because no other player dared go and get one if Ronaldo didn't go and get one. Why? Because they observed the habits of a goat. (laughs) They have observed the habits of one of the greatest of all times, how he has maintained his body, and they are realizing, man, I want to do what he does. I want to follow in his footsteps and say, if they are the habits of him, I want to replicate those habits. And the habits of Jesus are then replicated by the habits of the disciples. Therefore, the bulk of Acts is not simply a good idea, but it is a Jesus idea. In fact, they are called followers of the way. We'll hear about that a little bit more in the next few weeks. But they are disciples. What are disciples? Disciples are those who are disciplined. Comes from the same word. Disciples are those who are disciplined in the habits of Jesus. But also the priorities of Jesus. Notice that. Habits and priorities. Because what habits do is habits reveal your priorities. And so let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. It says this, this is the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Five verses which reveal the blueprint of the early church. Five verses that take us back to basics in our faith and our community with each other. And so we're just going to go through these things really quickly. But the first thing you need to notice is, look what it says, is they, number one, devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They weren't relying upon anyone else, but all the believers All the believers devoted themselves. This is something for me. I'm taking responsibility for me and my family. And if you can't provide it for me, that's fine because I'm going to feed myself. We're going to get there ourselves. We're committed to this ourselves. And I encourage you, don't be spoon fed in your Christianity, but begin to, begin to shape it yourselves, begin to make it, begin to grab it yourself. Don't just wait for someone else always to lead you or always to take you or always to inspire you, but no, begin to know what it is to devote yourselves. And what do they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to a number of things that we're just going to go through really quickly. They devoted themselves, number one, to the apostles' teaching. They were passionate about the apostles' teaching, a commitment to learning, a commitment to changing, a commitment to growing. And sometimes what happens as we get older, we can sometimes drift from the desire to learn. In my house, we have four kids. And so learning and education is obviously a key part of our house. They are learning how to write, learning how to read, learning how to talk, learning, learning, learning. But sometimes we sometimes get to the point where we think we've learned all we can learn. Can I encourage us? Let's remain students. Let's remain like kids. Soaking up learning because what you learn determines how you live. And they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And your greatest teaching should come from the apostles. Who are they? They are Paul and they are Peter and they are James and they are John. They are in the Bible for us to read. They are in the Bible for us to study. Let's devote ourselves in our back to basics, back to what the apostles teaching. Second thing, look what it says, and to fellowship. Fellowship. Christians love fellowship. (laughs) The Greek word of that is actually a word called Koinonia. Some of you have heard that before. Koinonia, which simply means an intimate spiritual communion of sharing amongst a spiritual community. Intimate spiritual community, sharing stuff together. Really, how we define fellowship is a commitment to share life with each other. Fellowship isn't about me doing life on my own. Fellowship is about me sharing my life with you and you sharing your life with me. Now, I know I'm biased, but I think in this church, fellowship is fairly strong. There is a desire for fellowship. I come here this morning and there's 12 people sat around a table, clearly already arranged to meet and have fellowship together. Connie speaks to me this morning how they all had breakfast together as a host team this morning. 
Today we have fellowship with all our students and YAs having a lunch together. Yesterday there's fellowship of the men and you know and the women are having fellowship all the time and <laughs> fellowship is a beautiful thing. But fellowship is a daily habit. Fellowship isn't something where you wait for us to announce it. Fellowship isn't something where we say, November the 12th, we're all going here. That's our fellowship. No, fellowship is a commitment to daily share your life with each other. That's what the book of Acts is all about. Fellowship isn't isn't restricted to personality types. Fellowship is the way Jesus lived his life. Don't think, well, I'm an introvert, therefore I can't do fellowship. Fellowship is for all of us. It's the sharing of my life and the sharing of your life. Sharing of my vulnerabilities, sharing of my strength, my wisdom, sharing of my weakness, sharing of my dreams, sharing of that and you share back to me because there is power in that sharing. It's fellowship, opening up your life to others. Look what else they did. They did the breaking of bread. We've done that today in this service. But neither is the breaking of bread restricted to once a month, the first Sunday of the month. That has become a routine for us because we think that's a good to do. But breaking of bread can happen in your homes regularly. You can do it on your own. You can do it with your wife. You can do it with your friends. You can do it with your kids. You can do it with whoever you want. Breaking of bread is powerful. And I know, you know, there's some amazing speakers at the moment who are speaking about the power of communion and how it helps and heals your body in terms of bringing you back to a place of remembrance of what Jesus did. And this is what they did regularly. It was a key habit for them, the breaking of bread, the power of communion. And then guess what else they did? Prayer. Now we know that, we all know prayer is important, but they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. All the believers were together and had everything in common. What do we call that? I call that unity. Where there's a togetherness. We're not falling out. We're not fighting with each other. We're not splitting up whether you've had the vaccine, not had the vaccine. We're not falling out over political parties. We're not falling out over sporting teams. We're not falling out over things that, you know, someone said this and this life group didn't get back to me and this person didn't say hello to me. And when I was in the door, they, I'm pretty sure they gave me the cold shoulder. <laughs> and I know we've all got to get better. <laughs> but can we have everything in common? <laughs> and you're there going, how do we have everything in common? Because I don't think we're all going to vote the same. <laughs> and I'm not even sure we should. <laughs> I'm not even sure we should all believe the same. Everything in common. I think what that means is the things that mattered that had everything in common. We're going to feed the poor. We all believe that. We're going to speak well of each other. We believe that. We're going to commit to this thing with each other. We believe that. Yeah, but are you conservative? Are you a labor? That doesn't really matter because we're committed to the poor. There is a unity in the people of the time. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions 
to give to anyone who had need. How many of you, that's next level sacrifice? (laughs) Selling properties and possessions. And I know that's happened in churches before. And I know there's pastors who have stood up and asked for that. I've never personally asked for that. But imagine I stood up and today I'm asking for some of you to sell your house and to bring your offering to the church next Sunday. Some of you might have done that before. I've been aware of people who have sold houses and cars and sold shares and sold investments. And I'm not asking you to do that. That needs to be something that the Lord leads you in. (laughs) But it's amazing, whether it's a possession or a property, I think what's amazing is the audacious generosity of the people at that time to go, hold on, you don't have anywhere to live? That's fine. What I'll do is I'll sell my house. I'll buy a smaller house so that we can also buy you a house. This wasn't just a good idea. This was the Jesus way. This is Jesus who said, I'll give you the coat off my back. I'll feed the 5,000. I'll give you everything. You know, I had breakfast with a friend this week and we, we were just walking past the train station and a man came up to him and basically said, have you got any money? I haven't got any money for any food. I'm absolutely, and I, I literally didn't have any money. I don't really carry cash with me. I, phone, distorted, Apple Pay, beep. <laughs> and he's like, have you got anything? And my friend opened up his wallet and he had a whole bunch of 20s. <laughs> and I think he looked at it and he went, oh no. Because <laughs> we all saw it. <laughs> Five twenties. Do you know what was beautiful? He just got it out, gave it to this guy. And the guy literally broke to his knees outside the Queen's Hotel, hugged him, and said, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we basically said to him, Go and buy some food. And he ran off as fast as he could with the biggest smile on his face hopefully going to buy food. We don't know enough about the guy. I'm not (laughs) bringing judgment. He might have gone and bought a Gucci t-shirt from a shop. (laughs) But would you know what was beautiful about it? A guy just opening his wallet and going, here you are. Sacrifice. And this guy's not a hugely wealthy guy, but he was just the guy going, you know what? I can do it and I'm going to do it. It was part of being back to basics of what the early church was. They consistently met together. Where? In the temple courts. What is the modern day temple courts? You're in it now. (laughs) In fact, they didn't just do it weekly. They did it every day. So from tomorrow, (laughs) they met together regularly in the temple courts. Not because they had to but because they wanted to. What did they then do? They broke bread in their homes and ate together. And so they met together in the temple courts. That was the big. But then they met in homes. That was the small. And what I love about that is the paradox of the big and the small. It's not either or. It can be both. Yeah, well, the church is too big these days. We need to be in meet homes. No, the church can be as big as the Lord wants it to be. <laughs> As long as we don't neglect the power of homes. Can we fill Lee's Arena with 15,000 people every Sunday? That is up to the Lord. (laughs) And I don't think he's against that. As long as we keep the priority of meeting together in people's homes. It is the mixture of the big and the mixture of the small. It is meeting in homes. And what did they do when they were in homes? They ate. 
together. You need to know this. Food is spiritual. Food is spiritual. There is something spiritual about eating food with fellow believers on purpose. I'm not talking about having a Big Mac in McDonald's. But inviting someone into your home, cooking them some food, preparing a table, and sitting down, enjoying koinonia, fellowship with each other, eating. If you follow the Gospels, Jesus, what did he do all the time? He ate, he ate, and he ate. And then he went to the gym, and went to the gym. (laughs) Food is spiritual. The Bible says, do not neglect the gathering of meeting together. Big and small, it's powerful. And it's so good to see so many people come back to the temple courts because there is power in it. But I tell you what, some of you need to get into each other's homes. Some of you need to get into each other's homes. And if no one's inviting you to theirs, why don't you invite them to yours? Abs is reading a book at the moment called A Meal with Jesus, discovering grace and community and mission around the dinner table. Homes are good because homes are personal. Homes are where you are truly you. Homes are where you've not always cleaned it up and people come and see your mess. Homes are good because it's where you are you really you. And the hardest thing in lockdown for us wasn't that restaurants were closed, wasn't that football matches weren't open. It was not having people in our home. And the Bible says there was gladness. And there were sincere hearts and they praised God and enjoyed the favour of the Lord. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that awesome? Daily those who were being saved. How many of you believe and have a heart to see daily people being added to the kingdom of God? Daily in Jesus' name. The band can come and close with me. Their community, their community was so attractive that the believers grew. Okay? The believers grew. The church grew. Now, listen to me when I say this. Don't get distracted. They're only walking on stage. They've done it many times before. It's amazing. You see the whole church go. The believers grew. This is important. I want this line to be kind of become a bit of a phrase with us. Okay, you ready for this? Not because of programs, but because of priorities. The church grew not because of programs, but because of priorities. The kingdom was added daily, not because of programs, but because of priorities. There's nothing wrong with the programs as long as they are fulfilling the priorities. And alongside that, just a little subverse in that passage, they were at awe because everyone was seeing signs and wonders. Signs and wonders accompanied those who believed. They were witnesses. They shared stories of their relationship with Jesus. We're going back to basics. And so as I close, as I close... Here's some homework for you, okay? Because I'm a teacher today. And so Mr. Niblock gives you some homework. Over the next month of October, what I want us to go in, 
is a commitment to teaching and learning is a commitment to fellowship. Quinonia is a commitment to breaking bread. Is a commitment to prayer. Is a commitment to unity. Is a commitment to generosity. Whatever that looks like for you. And a commitment to the gathering. (laughs) Sorry. In the temple and in homes. That is our homework for the month of October. Why? Because this... This is Jesus. And in our going back to basics, where there's been a distortion, where things have got confused, where things have got complicated, these are the habits of Jesus. And these became the habits of the disciples. And these now become the habits of the local church. And in 2021, in Leeds, Acts in Leeds... I pray that these also become the habits of me and you. And you watch what it does to your faith. You watch the signs and wonders that follow. You watch those who get added daily, those, because this becomes attractive. This becomes attractive to the world, not because of programs, but because of priorities. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Come on, let's stand to your feet. We're going to put this to the side and we're going to leave it down by the side if any of you afterwards want to come and take a picture of it or write them in your notebook. Come on, let's close our eyes. We need to close. Jesus, we come back to basics today. We remove the complications and the confusions and we come back to Acts 2, 42 to 47. May we be committed to fellowship, maybe be committed to prayer, committed to teaching, committed to the gathering, committed to generosity, committed to breaking bread, committed to eating together. May we do the things that you did, Jesus. So stir in our hearts this book of Acts to become active in our lives, to become real in our lives, to manifest in our lives and to overflow into the city. And over the coming weeks, as we hear about the mission and the marketplace as we hear about signs and wonders and the supernatural I pray that there'll be something in our heart that stirs for more from you Jesus there is more we know there is more in Jesus name Amen